Good morning. Welcome. We're glad that you're here on this um, lovely day. We're so glad that you're um, uh, worshiping at home as well, and really um, especially to see you all here. Thank you for wearing your masks, for socially distancing, all those great things. Um, we hope that you all will come back for our Valentine drive through today from 3 to 4, so you can hear that great music of the Lacey Jane Band and we're doing it rain or shine. So lucky you, you can stay in your car. We'll hold umbrellas if necessary. Um, when you come, you would um, arrive off of Lockwood Ridge Road. There'll be some flags there so you know which way to come in. Follow through and there'll be people um, waving to you to bring you into the right place. And we'll go through the stations. You will receive a free Lenten devotional. There will be treats for you and your furry friend. There'll be ashes to go, all kinds of things. So we hope that you'll join us. And if you want to participate in that candy collection for Emma Booker, you would bring plastic eggs and you would bring full bags of M&Ms and jelly beans and we'll have a place for you to drop those off. So if you want to participate in that, that would be great. Would that help? Sorry about that. My... Okay. So, uh, oh, it did help, didn't it? Maybe, mm, sorry about that. So looking ahead this week, um, really looking forward to CAST, which is a discussion of a book that we're going to have tomorrow night from 6 to 7.30. Harold Young, who is a member of our sister congregation, Light of the World Church, is going to give us a little presentation. We're going to break into small Zoom groups and have like about a 35-minute um, discussion about some questions. And if you're like me and you would like the questions in advance, once you register, they'll be sent out on Monday so you can look over those questions. It should be a great um, conversation. And when you do go to the website to register, you'll also see a link to that YouTube um, conversation that, Eliz that Isabel Wilkerson has with Brian Stevenson about her book. And it's about an hour long, but it is really helpful and interesting, good background. So I hope you can join us tomorrow night for that. Um, wow, so I would like to invite the band to come out. We have two more quick announcements, and that is Ash Wednesday is this Wednesday at 6.30. We will have a service over in the sanctuary. It will also be live streamed, so you can um, worship either way. We would like for you to register for that worship service um, if you're coming. And then looking ahead to the next Wednesday, February 24th at 6.30, Pastor Steve is going to start a new series of God in Hollywood called Truth and Consequences. The first movie that he'll be discussing with you all is On the Waterfront. So we hope that you'll register online for that Zoom link and join in for the conversation. Thanks again for being here. Let us worship God. Please stand. Rescue me, say that our Jesus is the light. In the cross, empty grave, life eternal, you have won the day. Shout it out, Jesus is alive. i 
a seat. We are at that time in our service where we have the opportunity to worship God with our offering. There are four easy ways to give, and of course, when you're worshiping in person, there are the baskets as you leave. Thank you for your generosity. And speaking of generosity, we are um, delighted to have this new video series that Matt Liddell has put together for us called, How Does Your Garden Grow?, and Matt's talking to people in our congregation and hearing stories about how just a little seed has started something wonderful in our community and in their lives. Take a look. We hope you enjoy. Without the right soil, without the right tools, how can a garden be expected to grow? This is what two women saw at a local elementary school. Soon enough, they knew it was time to act. They laid out their plan and asked, what can be done about this? They brought their concern to Pastor Steve who then brought it to the school's principal. Where do you need help growing? How can we do our part in helping these kids? Until finally, a garden replenished. A generous gift provided these kids with the help they needed. Books, supplies, everything they needed to grow. And it all started when someone first noticed their need. How does your garden grow? 
Matt. I'd like to invite our mic runners to come up front, and um, we're going to begin our prayers of the people. And before we start, this is, these are going to be the last two invitations I'm going to give for someone to send a card to um, Sergeant Matthew Shute. His address will be and is on the table, so you can take a picture of it and send cards of um, thinking of him and cheering him up during this sort of tough season anytime you want. But these will be the last two times that I'm going to ask in person. And who would like to send a card this week? I see Mary Ellen right over there. And I have one more. Right. Do you see it? Right there. Right there. Thank you so much um, for doing that. So... Um, as always, there are um, prayer cards in the back. If you have a prayer that you don't want to say out loud, you just write it down and put it in that little jar, and we'll be praying for you during the week. But if anyone has a prayer concern or a joy that they want to share, if you raise your hand, our mic runners will come out to you, and I'd like to hear who they are first, if you'd introduce yourself. I'm Olivia. And I'm Ethan. Well, they're not going to give you a lot more than that, I guess, today. So this is Olivia. This is Ethan. Don't know who these people are, but who are you, Ethan? Uh, I'm one of the volunteer youth leaders here at the church. Wow, and that's awesome. Would you like some more people to join you in that ministry? Yes, please. Yeah, it, lots it's of fun. It's a great time. Thank you. And? And I'm a senior at Venice High School. Thank you, Olivia. How can we be praying today? I did hear um, Mighty Millie, who we have prayed for for months and months, that she did die. She's our little four-year-old, and um, just if we could be remembering her parents and her brother as they're in this um, incredible time of grief, and she'd been battling cancer, and um, anyway, so for Mighty Millie's family, would really be grateful if we could pray for them. And for other families that are dealing with cancer, either in children or adults, right? We've prayed a couple times for uh, a young mother named Holly, a mother of five, that uh, because of some cancer discovered in her lower uh, leg, had her leg amputated, and um, she's had a fall, and that's kind of set some things further back for her. So just keep uh, her and her family in your prayers. Thank you. So Holly and her family and for all people that we know, right, that are maybe having some serious setbacks from health issues. Thanks, Pastor Steve. Anything else? All right. Well, let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we are grateful for this day of life. We are grateful for the love that surrounds us and for the love that you call us to step into. We pray, Lord, that you would give us courage to be loving when sometimes we don't feel like it. We pray that we would sense your presence when we need to feel the love most ourselves. 
We pause for a moment here, Lord, and we confess to you the sin that we have, the ways that we have separated ourselves from you. Hear our confession silently. There are hurts in the world, Lord, that we can't fix. So we give them to you. And we pray that you use us wherever and whenever you can. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Friends, the good news of the gospel is that we are forgiven and that we are free to go love and serve with all the imagination that God gifts us with. Go and do likewise. Amen. Good morning. Happy Valentine's Day. Will you be my Valentine? Nice to see you all this day, and we are grateful that we can be continuing in our wonderment around the fruit of the Spirit. You may recall that last week we began our focus this month on the fruit of generosity, and this so happens also to be the month where our congregation considers its own generosity decisions around commitments to our ministry here at Church of the Palms. Uh, we will be getting into your mailboxes, and you will be picking up even in the drive through later on this afternoon commitment cards that you can use to uh, help you think through the decision-making you'll do around your uh, generosity to Church of the Palms in our effort to be generous with our community. So we hope that uh, you will consider that. Bring them back to us on the 28th. That's two weeks from today. We'll have our little commitment Sunday. And if you're not going to be with us, you can certainly mail those in as well. We're looking at God the planter. Uh, how does your garden grow? We're looking about how God is the tiller and the planter and the nourisher and the pruner of our little gardens. And today we're focusing on the planter and we'll be taking a look at a couple of texts from the New Testament that Christina Seba will be sharing with us. Good morning. I'm Christina Saba, and like Ethan, I am also a member of the group who works with the youth in the youth group, and so I am planting that seed in the event that now or down the road you might consider that because it's a tremendous gift. It's a tremendous gift to us adults to work with those kids. Okay, that was my public service announcement. The first scripture passage comes from the Gospel of John, the 19th chapter, verses 38 through 42. Hear the word of God. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and removed his body. Nicodemus who had at first come to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about a hundred pounds. 
They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it with the spices in linen cloths, according to the burial custom of the Jews. Now there was a garden in the place where he was crucified, and in the garden there was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. And so, because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. The second scripture passage is from the Gospel of Matthew, the 13th chapter, verses 31 and 32. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Christina. Let's pray. By your grace, O God, and through your mercy, we ask that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, for we pray this in his name. Amen. James Michener, in one of his great historical novels, Hawaii, tells the tale of those luscious islands from the very, 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 very beginning. He postulates the tens of millions of years it took for these small masses of land to rise, the volcanic activity of the ocean floor, the growing mountains of molten rock, the descending glaciers of the ice age, and then finally the islands that emerge and remain above the oceanic waters, a volcanic iceberg, if you will, peering just above sea level, a rock there sitting in the middle of the ocean. But then comes the rest of the story. Mishner imagines the day when upon this barren rock lands a bird, some tropical bird, which by the help of the Pacific wind currents has drifted over to these islands from some previous vegetative feast. This bird happens to bear inside a seed or two left over from some exotic plant. The seeds are expelled in the usual way, and one manages to trickle down into some crevice where there's just enough soil in which it can embed. The rain and the sun do their part, and the seed begins to germinate. A plant grows, and then comes the rest of the rest of the story. Seeds form at the end of its stalks, and the wind scatters those seed to other crevices, more germination, and what results over the next hundreds of millennia are what we now know as the islands of Hawaii, to which I have never been, but they tell me it's nice. A paradise, they say, all from perhaps one tiny seed. Likely when you were young, you asked your mom and dad where you came from, and because it would be years before you'd crack open a biology book, mom and dad had to make it pretty simple. They told you likely that it all began when a seed got planted in mommy's tummy. Seed sounds so much better than zygote. A seed got planted in mommy's tummy, and the seed grew and grew, which is pretty much the case. And then out you came, and the rest is history. The rest is the rest of the story. From a microscopic cell came the likes of you, good old, beautiful, complicated you. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, a tiny, tiny Tiny mustard seed, the smallest of all the seeds, and yet when it's planted and when it's nourished and when it grows and when it breaks the soil, 
and when it blooms and blossoms, there is this great rest of the story. There is this emerging plant, this expanding shrub, this far-reaching tree. And even that is not the whole story because from this tiny seed comes not just branch and limb, but the rest of the rest of the story is that it becomes a home. It becomes a home. It becomes a place for a bird to land, a place from which that bird can sing. Even that is not the end of the story, for the rest of the rest of the rest of the story is that from that tiny seed comes a place to make a nest and to lay some eggs and to incubate and to hatch and to feed and to fledge. And it all starts, Jesus says, when that seed makes its way into the soil planted by the grape planter and then found its way inside the earth and then found the right conditions by which to germinate. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, starts small. Oh boy, but it goes big. The kingdom of heaven contains the miracle and potential of new life. The kingdom of heaven is always up to something new. It can, if it can only find the right conditions by which to germinate. In the kingdom of heaven, there is always a rest of the story. Makes me think of the time when you and I begin wondering about the people who are who were in the early chapters of our life. You know, people we once knew, we were lost touch with. Maybe you've attended a high school reunion or a college reunion, or you stumble upon some childhood friend on Facebook, or you return to your hometown, or you bump into someone at the airport from your past, and you get yourself into a conversation about, you know, the good old days and the good old gang. And you start wondering about the people who were once in your life, and the question that invariably gets asked is, well, whatever happened to Whatever happened to John? Whatever happened to Mary? Whatever happened to Julie? And what follows, of course, from someone's memory is some kind of story. Oh, Mary, I see. She ended up at Florida State, and then she started a business, and now she's a bajillionaire. Or, or John, he moved to Maryland, and he, and he became a teacher, and he coaches the local high school football team. Oh, Julie, oh, yeah, I think she became a writer. Maybe you've seen some of her novels on the on the shelves of Barnes and Noble, whatever happened to? It's a question I often find myself asking when I'm reading the Bible. Page after page, we run into these characters that appear on the biblical stage, and, and they have their moments in the unfolding history of God and God's people, and then all of a sudden, they kind of walk right off the page. And you wonder, whatever happened to them? When Jesus tells the rich man that to inherit eternal life, he sell everything he has and give it to the poor and follow Jesus. And Scripture says he walked away. Or did he walk away too? And what did he do with that information he had just received? When the, when the woman at the well has her conversation with Jesus and returns home, what happened after she returned home? What happened the next day? What did she do with that conversation? When the centurion looks up at the cross at the crucified Jesus and says, this truly was the Son of God, what happens after that? So seldom do we ever know the rest of the story. So maybe that's why I'm so grateful for our little story in the Gospel of John today. Each one of the Gospels, of course, tells the story of Jesus a little differently. And each one of the, of the Gospels, of course, tells the story about the crucifixion of Jesus. And John tells the story in a unique way. Alongside of all the other Gospels, he says that Joseph of Arimathea, 
a member of the temple council who had been influenced by the teaching of Jesus. Joseph of Arimathea shows up to arrange for the burial of Jesus. But then John tells the story a little differently and says, by the way, there was another person at the scene. And he tells us that Nicodemus was there too. Nicodemus showed up to make sure that Jesus had a proper burial. And now I have at least a little bit of an answer to my question, what happened to Nicodemus? Because in John's Gospel, we meet Nicodemus way at the beginning of the Gospel when he comes to Jesus by night and he asks Jesus about the whole kingdom thing. And Jesus says to Nicodemus that you can't see the kingdom, Nicodemus, until you're born again. You can't see the kingdom unless that seed finds its little crevice inside of you. You just can't go on being yourself, Nick, Jesus says. You gotta let the seed in. You gotta let the seed grow. You have to be, you have to be born again. And then Nicodemus walks right off the page. But now, 16 chapters later, Nicodemus steps back onto the page, and it's clear that something's happened to that seed. The seed has grown. The seed has germinated. A new life is on its way to being born. Scripture says that Nicodemus and Joseph covered up the seed of Jesus with spices and linen and planted the seed of Jesus into a nearby garden. And we know the rest of the story. We know the rest of the story because we're the rest of the story. We are the fledgling followers wondering, what does it mean? for us to be born again. Can anyone be born after having grown old? Nicodemus asked Jesus way back at the beginning. You may remember that question. How can anyone be born, he asked, after having grown old? And it's a question, I suppose, that comes from a person, in this case Nicodemus, who may be thinking that they've come to the end of their story person who thinks that the garden of their life isn't going to grow anymore, that no seed's going to make it inside my cracks, no miracle of germination is going to happen inside of me. And life does that to you. We live in a culture that doubts more and more the fertility of mature gardens, that there really isn't a rest of your story. Is there a rest of your story? Is there enough soil in your life to bear a mustard seed? You see, God has this way of creating inside you and me such a unique set of elements that something so unique, beautiful, wonderful is able to grow if we would just let the planter plant the tiniest of seeds. There's a woman I once knew who lived in Honduras Honduras, as most of us know, is one of the poorest countries in the Western Hemisphere. She lives in a town called La Entrada. Her name is Victoria. I met Victoria when she was a squatter. She was in her 60s and lived in the middle of the town in a lean-to shack of mud and sticks with a plastic drop cloth placed across the top that served as a roof. Victoria did whatever it took to survive. She worked in whatever little job she could find whatever little money she could make in order to find whatever little food she could eat. Whenever I saw her walking through the town, she would always greet me with a smile and a hug. She, she carried a disposition that belied her condition. 
with as little as she had, she still lived up to her name, Victoria, victory. To see her smile and to feel her warmth, one would be amazed at where she would be going home to every night. And then the town came and leveled her lean-to, bulldozed it, end of story. Except that some Christian brothers and sisters found a little house and acquired it for Victoria. Now, when I say little house, what I mean is a little concrete dwelling smaller than the size of most backyard sheds, a hundredfold better than what she had, and a billionfold less than what you and I have. I went to visit Victoria at her hovel about a year or so after she moved in. To get, past, to get to where she lived, you had to pass by squalor, poverty, filth, despair, but when you're invited into Victoria's home, you are invited into a palace, a, a palace not by measure of what you see, but by measure of Victoria's pride. Welcome, she says, to my palace. She says this with her smile. It takes about 20 seconds to view the inside of the palace, two rooms that can fit together in most master bedroom closets, not much to behold, but that's not what Victoria really wants you to see anyway. What she wants you to see is outside her palace, her garden. Now, mind you, she really has no place to plant a garden. She has no poverty to speak of. But what Victoria has done is that she's found every nook and cranny, every tin can, every discarded flower pot, every ounce of dirt, and she's planted whatever she can think to plant, flowers and vegetables and peppers and poppies and sugarcane and sunflowers amidst the poverty and squalor of her entire neighborhood. Victoria has planted a garden of life and beauty and goodness. She takes you from plant to plant and tells you in Spanish, which I can't so I take her word for it, what every plant is and what it does. This is what she's done with the postage stamp that God has given her. This is her garden. This is her Victoria garden. This is her victory garden. Amidst all the forces that would defeat her, amidst the end that the world would like for her story, amidst the poverty and crime and despair, Victoria has declared victory with her garden victory over defeat, all upon her little one one-thousandth of an acre. Ain't it strange how life works? You can look at your property and say, eh, not much. You can look at your bank account and say, eh, not much. You can look at the environment around you and say, eh, not much. You can look at your age and say, too much. And then you start to say to yourself, story over. Time to let the garden go. Nothing coming out of that ground, you say. No mustard seed's got a chance there. Thank God Rosa Parks didn't say that when she boarded that bus in Montgomery. Thank God Booker T. Washington didn't say that when he was working the salt furnaces and coal mines of West Virginia. Thank God Frederick Douglass didn't say that when he was being slashed and bound by slavery's whips and chains. Because to say that isn't living in the kingdom. It's just not living in the kingdom. Because in the kingdom, 
mustard seeds become plants and plants become bushes and bushes extend their branches to singing birds who nest and incubate and hatch and fledge. In the kingdom grow victory gardens. In the kingdom Nicks and Rosas and Bookers and Victorias have lots more story to tell. In the kingdom, old men can be born again. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you that you never give up on us. You are that crazy farmer who keeps throwing seed right upon our lives. We give you thanks for the seed that's found its crevices. We thank you for those crevices that are yearning for seed. And we pray, O oh God, that we may open our lives again, if only to believe that there is still a rest of our story. Amen.
I was blind till you showed me my victory. I was bound and you set me free. Now I'm alive. Let's pray. Thanks, oh God, that you um, are ever so anxious to see what might grow inside of us. And we thank you that you give us the seed and everything else that's needed. And thank you, oh God, when we provide you the soil. Oh Lord, allow us to be your garden for the sake of your world. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.